Uh, can we just pray real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into it. Father God, you are so good. God, in the midst of uh, historic fires burning the entire West Coast from Washington to here, God, uh, you are still good and you're in still control. God, in the midst of a pandemic, God, you are still good and you are still in control, God. In the midst of uncertain times, God, you are still God. You always have been and you always will be, and we thank you for that, for your faithfulness, your sovereignty, your consistency um, through the highs and the lows, through the mountaintops and the valleys, God. We thank you and we praise you for that. Father God, I pray you just speak through me this morning. God, that I would not utter a word of my own, that it would just be all about you, all about your son, God, to be inspired by your spirit and that lives would be changed this morning. We love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Really is some fun, crazy times we're living in. And that's why I'm excited. Pastor Rod asked me to, to speak a couple weeks ago um, as we're in this series, Jesus 2020. And so Rod said, hey, you kind of have uh, this series a little more loose, so you have a little more room to speak in, but just remember this, Jesus 2020. And so as I was thinking about what to speak on, uh, and with the topic Jesus 2020 in mind, uh, this, this topic came to mind. Because when we say Jesus 2020, it sounds like he's running for office, right? It implies that we want Jesus to lead our nation. And so I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I would love it if Christ led our nation. But what does it look like for Christ to lead our lives? What does it look like for Jesus to lead our lives? Not just our, our, our nation, but for us personally. What does that look like? What does it look like to submit to Jesus? That's what God very clearly put on my heart. I was praying, and I was thinking about it, and God's like, boom, you need to talk about this. I'm like, all right, God, cool. And that word submit, I looked it up just to make sure I had the definition right. And it means this, to willingly and consciously fall underneath someone's authority. To willingly, of your own will, not being forced to, and consciously being aware of the decision and decisions you're making, to willingly fall under God's authority, to submit to him, to follow his authority, his plan, what he says go. That's what the word submit means. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. If we want Jesus to lead our nation, first he must lead our lives. That means we need to submit to him. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I was struggling with that. Like, God, there's, there's so much things that, that encompasses. Like, God, like, I, I know you want me to talk about submitting to you. But like, what verses do you want me to use? Like, what parable do you want me to teach from? God, what, what stories do you want me to tell? And I, I just like having this really, really difficult time. I'm like, man, God, normally it's, it's not this difficult. Normally, like, you, you at least steer me in the right direction. I can find some verses and, and I'll pray to you, God, and you'll, you'll speak to me. God, why is this so difficult? And I remember sitting at Bible study and God just very clearly said, just talk more about me. And I was like, that's it? He's like, what do you mean that's it? I'm like, no, 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 I will. Like, I got you. I'll, I'll talk more about you. Because I can talk about what it means to submit to Jesus all day. But if, if I don't talk about why that's so amazing, then what good is it? If we don't understand the why, if there's no heart, no conviction to submit to God, then who cares how we submit to God if we're not going to do it in the first place? And the thing about submitting to Jesus is it's, amen, it, again, it, it's willingly. It's not this forced thing that we have to do. It's not, it's not God holding a, a hammer over my head saying, if you don't submit to me, no, no, no. It's this thing we willingly get to participate in, falling after him, falling underneath this authority. That God, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit is so amazing. Man, I'll submit to him all day. I began to think about that. And all the stories I've read in this book that I encourage us, all of us, to read more. Because, man, there is life in these pages. And it's, God is just this amazing person. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the world, God sent in motion this amazing plan to redeem us. Why? Because he loves us and he cares about us. 
and that he's sovereign. He has power that knowing Adam and Eve were going to fall, he already had a plan in place. And as soon as they fell, that plan went into motion and the, the, the wheels began to turn. That even though we had one rule, <laughs> we broke it, yet God saw us in our nakedness and chose to clothe us. That even when the world was purely evil in the days of Noah, when all we thought about was evil and nothing else, that God still looked down on the earth, was grieved in his heart, but saw Noah and had mercy. Didn't wipe us all out, had mercy and used Noah. That it was time for him to make a nation. He didn't pick the greatest, most amazing couple. No, he, he picked Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, this old couple that should have been barren. God used them to birth this nation. And he didn't choose Israel, this great, powerful nation. No, they were a nation of grumblers and complainers. They were ungrateful. All they did was, God, I need something from you. Cool, and then they turned away again. Yet God was faithful to them and just to them. That God looked at David, the man after God's own heart, who was an adulterous murderer, like looked at a woman bathing, called her to the palace, slept with her, got her pregnant, was trying to cover up the sin, so he had her husband killed, murdered, but God still saw something in David and chose to have Jesus come through his bloodline. That even as Israel as a nation split, he chose Judah, the line of worshipers for his son to be born. And his son was not born to a great wealthy royal family. No, they were born to a poor family in a cave. And we see God's faithfulness. And I, I, I think about these stories in the Bible, these real historical events. But the fourth man in the fire and the parting of the Red Sea just all these events and Elijah calling down fire and there's just so many amazing things in here. And then we get to Jesus. And man, I, I gotta be real with you, I love Jesus. <laughs> like I'm a real big fan of his. Like I know people who hate God but love Jesus somehow. Like Jesus, there's something about Jesus. It's the purest, most beautiful, most greatest example of God's love for us. That when Jesus was born to this family, he, he lived a, a life that we could follow after. That he, he taught us these things. Go, hey, follow my example. When the time came for him to die, he submitted to God willingly and consciously, went to the cross and died for our sins because the wages of sin is death. And God didn't want us to die. He wanted a relationship with us. And so he sent his son to take our place. You talking to any half-decent dad, they'll tell you time and time again that they would rather die than see their son suffer for a minute. And yet God made the greatest sacrifice, greater than giving, him, giving his son with whom he is well pleased. That's what Jesus did. But my fear this morning is that we've fallen victim to this casual gospel. That for so long we've, we've become numb to the great things that God has done because we've heard it so much. We, we live in a generally a Christian nation and so we, we've been, we hear about God. Maybe you grew up in church, or at the very least, you grew up around someone who was in church. So we hear these stories over and over again, and we become numb to them and apathetic. We've been undersold and lied to about how great and powerful God is. He's not just some meek comforter that's just here to wrap you up and give you a hug. No, no that he is a, a judge, but a righteous and fair judge. That he is the God, and it says in Psalms that when he speaks, stars are formed. That's the Jesus, that's the God that I'm submitting to. Not some weak, tiny little dude. No, no, no. A guy who's powerful and amazing, but Jesus chose to give up some of that power so he can walk the earth and die for our sins. And then for whatever reason, we get to the death and resurrection of Jesus and we're like, oh, cool. We got there. My sins are paid for. God must have like just peaced out and said, hey, I'll see you when you get up here. No, 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 no. 
God has been working day and night, long before the death and resurrection of Jesus, and ever since the death and resurrection of Jesus. Go look up some church history and some of the great things God has been doing for the last 2,000 years. God has never stopped working. He has never stopped performing miracles. He is so good and so faithful and so just. Do you think this is bad? God saw Europe through the black pig that wiped out a third of the people. God saw us through both world wars. God has been around for every rise and every fall of every nation that's ever been. And yet not once did my God give up his seat on his throne. Not once did he ever fall. He's always been on his throne and he always will be. This is the God we get to submit to. Not some random abstract idea that's that just some dude sitting on a throne. No, 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 no. That right now as we're speaking, there's countless angels praising him. And they're going to praise him forever and ever. And one day after I leave this body, I'm up there in heaven, I get to join the angels and fall on my face before God and just get to praise him forever. That is the God who we serve. That is the Jesus I'm saying we need to submit to. Not this skipping down the road and with, no, no, no. That yes, Jesus said he does call us friend, that is true. But I get to call God Father. Man, I got to tell you, forget the last 2,000 years. I've been doing ministry for six since I was 18. I'm 24 now. The things I've seen God do will blow your mind. Literally will blow your mind. I've seen young people, and I mean young people, the people we look down on and say they're not ready yet and that they need time and they're too mature. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that. That's nonsense. Because I've seen young people who are victims of abuse, and I mean abuse, sexually, emotionally, physical abuse, and I've seen God free them from the chokehold of that abuse, and I've seen them worship God with everything abandoned, just freedom and life and joy and jumping up and down. Man, I've seen that. I've seen the work God has done. I've seen kids at camps and at youth group literally run to the foot of cross because God has so mightily impacted their life that they can't help but run full steam ahead and say, I don't know what this means. I got to submit to Jesus. I got to give my life to him. I've seen it. Man, I've seen God free people. I've seen God pull cancer out of people's bodies. I've seen him restore marriages that divorce papers were filed. I've seen God bring those marriages back. I've seen God people raise, raise people from the dead. My own grandfather died three times. Heart stopped for a long time. God raised him back until it was finally his time to stay home. I've seen that. I've seen it in people here in this church. I've seen it with these young people. I've seen it in my life. Man, I love therapy and doctors and stuff, but man, they helped with my anxiety, but God was the one that freed me from it completely. I've been and I've looked in the abyss and all the self-help stuff. That was cool and that was kind of comforting. God is the one who pointed me back to the light and God alone. I've seen these things, man. I've heard my father's story and the amazing thing God has done in his life. You don't have to tell my dad how good God is and how great his grace flows because my dad tells me stories. I'm like, what? God brought you through what? And your brother through and you through and the marriage through. Man, God is really good. That even when pastors gave up on him, God never did. I've seen that. This is not some random fictitious thing, not some weird abstract thing. This is a God who loves and cares about us. You don't have to tell my mother about God and how good he is. She knows. She's seen it. You don't have to tell me I've seen it. I have the great honor to sit at a Bible study with Pastor Ron. He's in his 80s. He's lived over three of my lifetimes. Three. I've thought I've seen a lot of things, doing ministry for six years and listening to sermons and seeing these great revival movements and reading these books. Man, 
Pastor Ron sits and tells me these stories. I'm like, man, you saw all of that? He goes, oh, no, that was just one year. I go, what? He goes, I was a pastor for decades. I'm just, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man. I'm like, but he, th- but that guy was drug addicted. Yep, saw him freed. But that guy was a, a staunch atheist and hated God. Oh, yeah, he's a pastor now. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, God, really? That when I say submit to Jesus, this is the God we get to submit to. This is the God whose authority I get to fall into first and foremost is him. And I'll take that all day. I don't care where you stand politically. I'll take God over anybody who runs for office ever. And believe me, I want good godly candidates in office. I really do. I want good godly laws put in place. I want good godly people in Senate and in the House and in state places and county places and city places. Believe me, I want that. But even if that doesn't happen, know this, I'm not worried. Because my God still reigns on his throne. And my God is still in control. So I will submit to him and him alone. That is the call. That's when I hear Jesus 2020. When I read that driving by and I look at the bulletin, that's what I think. What an honor and a privilege we have to be called children of God should we submit to him. I want to look at something here briefly um, because, yes, I I really had to talk about Jesus like a lot because he's so good. Like, literally, if you want to know more about God, I will take all day and we can just, I can tell you story after story in just my life what God has done, my very short life what God has done. I'll tell you about it. But I want to read something here because I believe this is an amazing answer to the chaos of the world. Because out of all the things God says, I was like, okay, God, what's the first command? What's the first thing? If I'm going to submit to you, what are my instructions? He says this in Matthew chapter 22. And hopefully you know this story. But it says this starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so when I think about submitting to Jesus, I'm like, okay, God, there's the great commission. We got to go out into the the four corners of the earth and baptize people in your name. We got to do that. But man, these two commandments reign true. And if if we could understand these just a little bit, if we could apply these just a little bit, our lives would drastically change. The world would drastically change. There's two words I want to focus on here and two words alone, love and all. In English, we have one word for love and it's love. In the Greek that this is written in, there's four words for love. Eros, storge, phileo, and agape. The word used here in this text is agape. Agape is never love between the sexes, but rather it is almost always an exclusively tied to God's love. It is most often described as unconditional love or God's love. It is the love he has for us and for his creation. And so when God says, when Jesus says that you have to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and Mark, he'll add strength. We have to love the Lord with God with everything we have. We have to love God as he loves us. So remember, like, all the great things that God did and the sacrifice he made and the works he did and never giving up, that's what we have to do for God unconditionally, no strings attached. That even if I pray to God every day and he keeps answering my prayers with a no, that I'm still going to love him unconditionally. That even as the fires rage on and the world keeps falling apart, I'm going to love God unconditionally. I'm going to love him as he loved me. Can I ever love God like he loved me? No, because I'm human. But I'm going to strive for it. I'm going to fight for it every single day. That sacrificial, unconditional, relentless love of God. 
That's how we are called to love God, as he loves us. Because when we do that, and thanks to the death and resurrection of Jesus, as we love God, as he loves us, I get to be in Christ and Christ gets to be in me. I get to have union with him and have relationship with him. That we need to love God as he loves us. The second word there is all. This is the biggest one for us in the culture we live in today. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, that means all of it. No 50-50. That God doesn't get half my heart and my spouse gets the other half. I'm single, by the way. That's just a reference, right? That God doesn't get half my heart and this other thing that I'm really clinging to, yeah, that doesn't get the other half. God gets this half and the other half. So often we say, I love God with everything I have, but no buts. Because anything apart from God is going to fall short of God. That if I love God with half of my heart, but give the other half to something else, why am I, why am I putting my emotional state, my emotional well-being in something other than God? Why am I becoming dependent on something other than God? Because that's what that means. That I can't love God with all my heart and love this person with all my heart. I, I can't love God with all my heart, but this thing I keep doing, I can't love that with all my heart. God has to reign first. He has to abide it. Because the beautiful thing about loving God with all of it, and I, God was showing me this so rad, that if God has all of my heart, that means there's no more room in my heart for heartbreak. That means those traumas that I've had, those hurts that I've had, there's no more room for them anymore. That they don't get a seat at the table of my life anymore. That yes, I still remember them, that they haven't gone away, but man, they don't make decisions in my life anymore. I don't process things to that anymore. That when God, when I love him with all of my mind, that means the trauma that I experiences, those, those memories we can't get out of our heads, those things that replay every day and every night that just haunt us. Man, if I love God with all of my mind, there's no more room in my mind for those things. That as the lies keep speaking to me again, the things I've been told or what's been done to me or the things I tell myself, if I love God with all of my mind, there's no more room in my mind for those things. Do you see how amazing that is? That my soul never has to be shaken again by things of this world because I'm going to love God with everything so there's no more room for anything else. That's the power of this verse. That's the power of what Jesus is saying here. No more 50-50 because the devil's a crafty one and he's made this world very enticing. I'm not going to lie to you. Man, there's things of this world that are so enticing and so attractive to us. We see things with our eyes and we, we lust after them and long after them. And that heart, oh, well, maybe God, maybe can you scoot to the side a little bit? No, 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 no. God, you have to have all of it. You have to have all of me. Can you see how that changes things? Because if we do that, the second commandment, and that's a, a killer one. That's the one that I really love. That he says this. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a self-help verse. This is a tie back to Leviticus 19, I believe, and to the Sermon on the Mount when God says, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's what this verse means. But you know what he says for the word love there? It's agape again. That I have to love my neighbors as God loves them. I have to love my neighbors as God loves them. I have to love my neighbors as God loves me. And the beauty about doing the first commandment first is that I don't have to give them my love. Because my love's human love, and it comes with all sorts of strings and conditions attached. 
But when I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I get to offer them God's love. Not the love of this world that's rooted in fate and in fear and in hate and in pride. No, God's pure love. A love that doesn't go after us. A love that convicts us when necessary. A love that comforts us when we're hurt. A love that gives us strength when we don't have the strength to stand. My fear this morning is not that this falls on deaf ears. My fear this morning is rather that this falls on calloused hearts and on calloused minds. I know all your ears work because I see in your cars. I know your ears work. My fear is that this falls on calloused hearts and on calloused minds. It says in Ezekiel that the people's heart has become callous, but he would offer them a new heart of flesh again. I pray that over us this morning that we would hear these things and we go, yeah, 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 I know about God's life. I've heard about it before. No, no, have you experienced it though? Andrew, I know all these things about God, but yeah, yeah, but do you know God? That's what this means to love God with everything. And the way we do this, I'm not just going to leave you hanging. The way we do this is you got to spend time with him. That's the how. We can't, oh God, I love you, but then never spend time with him. That man, we got to get into this thing. And the more I read it, I went to Christian school. I've read through this thing so many times, written papers on this. I've done tests on this. Yet the more I read it, the more I fall in love with God. And the more I'm like, God, I thought you were good, but you're like really good. The more I read this, that we have to spend time talking with him in prayer. You ever been in a relationship where you never talk to the person? How long does that last? Not very long. We tend to dread the relationship. Go talk to God. That when we worship here in the morning, worship him with everything you have. That's part of loving him with everything you have. Praise him. Lift your arms. Fall on your knees. Sing loud. I don't care. Maybe you sound like me and it sounds awful. I don't care. Praise him because God listens to the cry of your heart. Praise him with everything you have. Spend time with him this morning. Spend time with him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And as we begin to love God as he loves us, then we'll be able to love our neighbors as he loves them, as he loves me. Then, man, this world that's falling apart starts to come back together again. This isn't the first time the world's fallen apart. God's sewn it back together time and time again. He can do it again. And he will do it again. But are we willing to do this? I want to encourage us and challenge us all this morning. Whether you're a church pro and you're a professional Christian, and you know all the verses, and you know all the things about God, lay that down. So you know what, God? Show me something I haven't seen in a long time. God, give me your eyes to see how you see people. Give me your ears to hear how you hear. Have God lead your lives. That's what it means to submit to Jesus, to willingly and consciously fall under his authority. And he said the first two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all that you have, to love your neighbor as yourself, as the worship team comes up, I just want us to think about that. Take a moment and pause right now. God, where has my heart become hard? God, what parts of my heart have I, have I hidden away from you that I don't want you to have? God, what, what parts of my mind have I have been lying to myself and lying to you about? God, what parts of my, sh- ask God to show you. He will. David prayed this, God, search me. He'll search you. He'll find you. And if you start experiencing something, because a lot of us live in darkness or have these areas of darkness in our lives and Christ is the light of the world, some of us, there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction. Don't cower away. Lean in. Lean into God. Lean into that uncomfortable space because it's uncomfortable sometimes. But if you do, that's where the life change happens. That's where those miracles happen that I've been talking about. Let's pray. Father God, 
words cannot describe how amazing and great and how good you are, how wonderful you are, how worthy you are of all this praise that we come to offer you. God, I pray for all of us here who have fallen victim to this casual gospel. God, we've been undersold on your power and how good you are, God. Remind us of the true you. God, I pray for all of us here who have calloused hearts, that you give us new hearts of flesh. God, that our minds have become calloused in heart. God, that you give us new minds. That your living water would flow through us and soften us again. That we become moldable and workable again. God, remind us, challenge us, convict us, God, to spend time with you every day. God, because we love you and we love to spend time with you. God, I pray for everyone here, no matter what you're going through, God, that you just move in their lives, that you do great things, that you freed them from addictions and sins and hurts. God, they'd run after you with everything abandoned because you are worthy to run after. We love you, God. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.